With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Rick Munn is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, let's get the job done. It is Wednesday, the 29th. Yeah, the 29th of November, 2023. This is TNT Radio. This is Locked and Loaded. We are beaming at you live this morning from our studios on the Gold Coast in Australia. Hopefully, everyone out there is enjoying the content. So whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, of course, we hope that it's nice. Uh, Stay tuned for more magic here on TNT Radio over the next uh, 55 minutes to run you up to the top of the hour at the end of my shift. And then, of course, following me, uh, the lovely James Freeman will be hopping on. And during that time, the glue that's holding it all together, the wonderful Gemma Cooper, shall be inputting uh, the things that's catching her eye uh, relevant to what's happening on the world stage at the moment. Uh, later on in this hour, I'll be joined by Simon Milne. Simon's no stranger to Locked and Loaded to TNT Radio. Uh, he's appeared on Darren Denslow's show, Digging Deeper, and he's also been on with me several times now on Locked and Loaded. He's very kindly uh, agreed to join me. He's traveling at the minute. He's over in the Middle East, uh, so he's going to be beaming in from uh, who knows where in the Middle East at the moment, maybe we will get a little bit of uh, ground level reporting from him on what the situation is, whatever country that he happens to be in. But Simon will be joining me at around about 20 past the hour. So please uh, stay tuned for that. Of course, uh, if you haven't already done so, we have an app that's available on the App Store and the Google Play Store, TNT Radio. Search for that and download it onto your listening device of choice. And... Uh, if you haven't already uh, been made aware of this, if you've been under a rock somewhere for the last week or two, uh, we're also live streaming at the moment. Some people prefer audio only because they're out and about on the move, which is fine. Uh, you can just listen in as normal. Or if you're sitting comfortably at home, maybe got your feet up, toasting chestnuts, roasting marshmallows over an open fire, sipping on a glass of mulled wine, or doing whatever you're doing, you're up a ladder like Holly is constantly uh, painting and decorating, blasting TNT radio out uh, into her her clients' homes, then you can watch us as well as simply listen to us because we believe in offering people choice here on TNT Radio so you can take it or you can't leave it. And of course, lastly, a little bit of promo. Don't forget to spread the word. Tell other people about the station. Tell them to tune in. Tell them to sample our wares. And if they miss a favorite show or a favorite presenter, they can always browse our back catalog on the website, tntradio.live, or via Spotify or Apple Music or any of the major streaming services like Podbean and so on and so forth. So uh, before uh, we usher Gemma back uh, to the podium again, I'm looking at something else that raised uh, a smile on my face. Yesterday, we talked about James cleverly being fact-checked about the lies that he was spouting in Westminster about immigration dropping in England and the UK year on year that actually increased by 17% on the previous year. Now we have Rishi Sunak uh, getting the fact-check treatment on uh, X yesterday as well. So he made a little uh, little video, an enthusiastic little video. He said, right now, something very exciting is happening in the sky above us. And no, he wasn't referring to uh, chemtrail spraying, uh, allegedly. That is a practice that's been going on for quite some time in the UK and across the world, uh, weather modification, call it what you will. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the world's first net zero transatlantic flight, something very exciting. And this is beautiful. Uh, Someone has fact-checked him and slapped the message up under his post. And this is what it says. It is misleading. 
to claim in the video <laughs> that the first net zero transatlantic flight is now taking off. So basically, Rishi, you're a liar. Okay, uh, the flight emits more carbon than it actually stores. And the government says the carbon credits will be needed to be purchased because the flight is not net zero. So here we have the British Prime Minister posting a message on social media for his millions of followers, his minions, telling them they should be excited about the world's first net zero flight. And in fact, it will not be the world's first net zero flight because carbon credits have to be purchased. It is not a net zero flight. It's nice. One of the things that it's nice to see is here that uh, these messages, these lies that are being spread by our so-called leaders are being uh, pulled up upon and they're getting little stickers attached to their posts, which effectively undermines any credibility that they may have had in the first place. And we always hope and believe that as time passes by, as Gemma said yesterday, more and more people are coming to their senses. More and more people are uh, smelling the, the salts, the old ammonia, and uh, coming to a jittering realization that maybe just maybe we have been lied to and manipulated by governments for a long time. Things like this go a long way to underscoring that when a politician has a, a sticker under what he's just said to say effectively, this is a lie. This did not happen. This has not happened the way that he said it does. This is the way it actually is. It's all about chipping away at their credibility and it's all about swaying uh, public opinion or the opinion of the masses or the undecided in our favor. So that's just a little uh, message that brought a smile to my face this morning. So please stay tuned. More incoming here on TNT Radio. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. It's vilifying MAGO if it's not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Nice to see uh, James cleverly and now Rishi Sunak in the space of, what, 48 hours, Gemma getting the fact-check treatment on uh, social media. Nice to see that they can't just spew lies anymore. Uh, missing disinformation, as some people would call it. They're actually the biggest uh, perpetrators of all. It's not people like you and me who sometimes get our facts wrong, but they're getting it wrong on a grand scale and to uh, millions and millions of people on a daily basis. Yeah, I was just thinking when you were reading that, you know, politician lies, shocker. You know, mm. like as if we're surprised. But the thing is, it's it's kind of indicative of the times, isn't it? That we're, we're never surprised when they lie. They, they lie about every single thing. They lied about the fact that there was a deadly virus going to wipe out the half the population of the planet. You know, they lie about everything. I mean, and when they get caught, they lie again, you know, like Partygate and all that kind of stuff. And so sometimes you have to ask yourself, you know, is it a deliberate ploy on their part to make us hate them so much that we're willing to abdicate responsibility over to something else, uh, which we think might be a better solution. I do wonder that sometimes because it's almost like they're hiding in plain sight and they're so incompetent and so duplicitous and so disingenuous that we eventually just hold our hands up and go, all right, then, you know, just give us one world government. It's got to be better than this. So I, I do wonder if that's the case with this. I really do. Uh, the, you're right. Uh, it's no shocker that the politician and I'm a lying uh, manipulator shock. That's not going to come as a surprise to very many people. The interesting thing about nowadays is, though, in the past, usually you had to take a case through court. It had to go through, uh, you know, a legal team. And then maybe a year or two after the event, it was actually found out that someone told the lie. They had to recant that or publish a retraction in some national newspaper, which was usually some a line or two stuck on page eight and uh, buried somewhere else. But now it's almost almost 
instant uh, justice or instant uh, fact-checking that goes on with a big sticker slapped on their social. Because let's face it, who's reading the broadsheets these days? Most people grab uh, for their phones and check their social media accounts to see what's going on in the world right now. So it's almost like an insta-correction now, which is one of the positives in technology because uh, we're trying to find positives in these things here as well as the negatives. So one of the positives is it's almost like an insta-correct for the whole world to see. We don't have to chase them through the courts and get a retraction uh, in the Telegraph or the Times uh, like we used to do, maybe. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. It is instant kind of instant karma, isn't it? Instant information mm -hmm. karma. And also, you know, for so long, they've been slapping people like us and stations like TNT with the big label of misinformation. Well, da-da, mm -hmm. <laughs> the shoe's on the other foot now. And it's going to firmly stay on the other foot because I think what they are slowly realising which is why you hear a lot of the stuff coming out of the Conservative Party now kind of aligning with some of the things we've been saying, just like, you know, 15-minute cities, all that kind of thing. They're kind of giving a nudge towards us. What they're realising is there are a lot of extremely intelligent people online who will go and diligently re research statistics and facts and will publish the, the 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 kind of results of that that research probably a lot more intelligent and and, and astute people mm -hmm. than are actually working in whitehall and in the houses of parliament and for so long they've held the public that vote them in with such utter contempt governments not just in this country but around the world they hold the people below them the bottom 99% of the pyramid in such contempt it really it, it beggars belief but it's true as the last three and a half years have shown but what now with the with the information highway super information highway that we have the the people you know at the bottom are the are the, are the ones with the nous and the intelligence and the diligence and the and the and the authenticity and the credibility they're the ones at the bottom not the ones at the top and we're coming through man we're coming to get you so it's a nice yeah. little story to kick this hour off rick it really mm. is Indeed. So, yeah, uh, just think twice before you tweet. Uh, that applies now to the, uh, you know, the the people higher up, the perceivedly higher up the food chain than us. But of course, we realize that everything's inverted. So those people that occupy the top positions are actually at the bottom of their own when it comes to credibility and legitimacy. So uh, we've got another story here uh, from your good self this morning. National disgrace. Uh, over a quarter of a million homes are long-term empty in England. So, of course, we've been told there's a housing crisis going on at the minute. They need to build more social housing. More houses need to be built. What stock are they referring to here, Gem? Is this just uh, vacant dwellings, rural cottages, or is it a mixture of everything? It's a mixture of everything. And I thought I'd bring this story to the table because you and I have discussed the housing crisis several times here on Locked and Loaded. And also uh, the fact that the, the UK has now got an extreme problem, not just with housing, but with poverty. Um, so this kind of dovetails nicely. And also just referring back to the fact that politicians, you know, have always lied and have always held us in contempt. I think this also illustrates that the gap between the rich and the poor now in Western nations is, is getting bigger. And I think this story illustrates that. And I don't think this is a problem unique to England. I think if you looked around the whole of the UK, you'd find this. And if you go further afield in property owning countries, you probably would find this too. So um, a report out today from campaign group Action on Empty Homes uh, said that a quarter of a million homes in England are lying long-term empty, and a quarter of a million are being treated as second homes, um, if you're lucky enough to have a second home. And that accounts for one in 49 of every house in England. It's 524,000 homes. And they're calling on the government to take action because, of course, as you just rightly said, we have a housing crisis. We've talked mm. about this before. We've got 4 million people in destitution here in the UK living in so-called uh, 
temporary accommodation, which is often anything but some people living in temporary accommodation, which are very often very grotty bed and breakfast, that kind of thing. They're put in as a six week kind of stopgap and 10 years later, they're still there. So it's far from temporary. And they're saying, really, you know, this shouldn't be happening. The government needs to offer funding. Um, it's an opportunity to get some of these homes lying empty uh, as a green retrofit, mm. create new jobs, get them fit for purpose and put families who are really in need of these homes, children sharing beds here in England um, and, and, and you know, give them a, a firm start and a firm foundation in life. And of course, the question is, you know, you do need a significant amount of money to either have a home that you can buy and leave empty. It's a thing here in, in the UK. It's called buy to leave. You know, we've heard of mm. buy to let which is where you mm -hmm. rent it out and uh, you make a lot of money. The, people have got so much money now, the rich are getting richer, that they can just buy to leave. They don't even need to rent it. And buy to leave is you, you buy a property, you leave it empty in the kind of understanding that in 10 to 20 years' time, you've made a tidy profit and you can sell it. You might pop in and do a bit of DIY over the weekend, but you don't live in it and you don't have anyone else living it either. Uh, and this is the gulf in society that has always been there, the gap between rich and poor. But I was only talking to a friend of mine the other day who is slowly having his awakening and he's saying the gulf between rich and poor in this country is outrageous. You know, we're turning into some kind of third world country where like India and Mexico, the rich are very rich, the poor are very poor. And this is where we are going with it with a story like this. Hopefully action on empty homes with their campaign and they have launched a campaign now to kind of redress this. They will have some success. But we've just talked about the fact that, you know, one, politicians lie and two, they very rarely listen. It might listen now. We've got a general election coming up. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is a grey area for some people because uh, in Ireland, the government was trying to make moves. For example, if you had a holiday home uh, you know, near the coast, which you bought and paid for maybe, or you'd been herded it from your family, uh, you were there, but obviously you weren't living in it as a second home. Uh, there, there was talk of the government seizing that maybe and using that uh, to house people in. And that's different than, for example, if there was just a house that we talked earlier on, a story Natalie and I covered about Prince Charles and his duchy uh, has seized 50 million quids worth of dead people's uh, properties and assets that didn't have a will. So they were just vacant properties. They weren't going to anybody. They weren't going anywhere. So he just seized them. And over the last 10 years, he's seized assets to the gene of 50 million quid. That's maybe a different story. Uh, I'm not talking about Charles nicking people's houses. I'm talking about if there's a vacant property, for example, in your area, where I live, actually, uh, I've taken a drive around and there's a lot of boarded up properties and they've been like that for a very, very long time. I don't know. Maybe they can't trace the owners. Maybe they don't know. Maybe the person that lived in it died and tested. They had no will. They have nobody to leave it to. So they just become derelict. Maybe places like that, uh, there's a very good, uh, you know, case to be made that those should be taken if they can't be allocated out to anybody else and refurbished and used to house homeless people in. But I think the danger is when the state starts to eye up people's uh, buy-to-let properties or their you know, professional landlords or commercial landlords and said, you've a little bit too many houses there. We need to stick people in places. So we're going to reclaim that back from you in some way, shape or form. Dutch uh, farmer style, you know, they wanted to forcibly buy them out of their uh, land and their businesses. That's when it can become a little murky. But I think uh, the, 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 real, the reality lies somewhere in between that, Gemma. Uh, a bit of common sense is involved here and certainly a bit of better management on the local council level could maybe make the best use of some of these houses that are lying empty.
Absolutely. And I think this is what the campaign, which I really hope is successful, wants to achieve. So it's saying it doesn't want to take, doesn't want to repossess people's property. It's saying let's open them up and you become a landlord and we'll manage it. Um, but we've got to get people out of destitution, out of poverty, out of temporary social housing and into homes where people can have a firm foundation. Because, you, you know, home is your bedrock, isn't it? It's everything. It's your sanctuary. It's the place where you grow up. We're talking about the next generation. So, you know, they, they have come all guns blazing today here in England saying, you know, action on empty homes saying this is enough now we're drawing a line under this and I think they've timed it right because there is an election coming up and that so this does stand a chance of garnering some support because who can argue with it you know if you've got a family you've got a couple of kids and the kids are getting older and they're sharing a bed you know that no one's going to argue with the fact they need a home a proper home um, and if you've got a buy to leave and you or a buy to let do the right thing let it to somebody who really needs it and let us manage it for you yeah. Uh, thanks for that story. I'm just thinking of drive past my old great grandparents' home sometimes. It's a little workers' cottage uh, in a little place called Lambeg in Northern Ireland. There was 14 of them in there in a two-bedroom terraced house with no bathroom and no electricity or running water. I do not know how they did it back in those days, but did it, they did. So anyway, Gemma, thanks very much for the story. As always, uh, speak to you again tomorrow morning. All being well, Simon Milne is on his way in to the studio here, uh, at least virtually on TNT. So please don't go away. Plenty more to come after this short break here on TNT Radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system, it's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. And I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. If you're still wearing a cloth or a surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
Okay, this is TNT Radio, today's news talk, and uh, this morning I'm very happy to be joined again uh, by Mr. Simon Milne, who's actually on his travels at the moment. Uh, he's beaming in from an undisclosed location in Dubai, so he's very kindly agreed to join me uh, on his travels. Simon is no stranger to Locked and Loaded or TNT Radio. I've spoken to him several times in the past, but it's been a little while uh, since we last caught up, so there's plenty of water has passed under the bridge uh, for us to look at and plenty of fat for us to proverbially chew here this morning live on TNT Radio. Uh, just to keep you people aware, Simon, uh, in his own words, uh, was made in Pakistan, born free in Scotland and raised in Africa. What a combination. Uh, he, he says we are defined by our compassion and kindness towards others. Ubuntu. Ubuntu, which is basically a Bantu word meaning humanity or is reflected within ourselves, unless I'm very much mistaken about that. Simon, how's that for an introduction? Did you like it or what? Great introduction, Rick. Thank you very, very much for those kind words. It's good to be back on TNT Radio and uh, speaking with you. Uh, quite a lot yeah. has happened since we last spoke. Mm -hmm. uh, an awful lot has happened. I mean, like you think about, uh, you know, usually when a major war breaks out in the world, it's a huge talking point. It doesn't happen very often. You know, since the last time you were on, where you know, the tail end of the Ukraine-Russia conflict is in place at the minute. But now, of course, uh, from October the 7th, there's been a huge amount of turmoil in the Middle East uh, through Palestine and Israel. Other countries are on the verge of wading in there. You know, you've got Chinese warships in the Gulf. You've got uh, Turkey on the wings. You've got Iran with Hezbollah waiting to jump in. You've got a, uh, the ever presence of America in there in the background too, all around this little powder keg known as the Middle East. Now you're at the minute uh, in Dubai. Uh, you're traveling in Dubai at the minute. What's the vibe? Let me just ask you this just to start off with now. What's the vibe in Dubai when it comes to the conflict in the Middle East? So what have you observed there in terms of how is it being reported? What is the sentiment like, for example, in Dubai, just as, a, as an observer where you are at the minute? Rick, that's a slightly difficult question for me to answer right now because I've literally only been here about 24 hours and I've uh, okay. only been out of the apartment for about two hours. So I, I, the simple answer is I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've been watching a lot more of the news whilst I was back in the UK. Uh, I, I, it's quite interesting to get, to get a, a sort of span of, of, uh, of news from the likes of yeah, you've got on the one hand you've got BBC, and then on the other hand you've got uh, the likes of Al Jazeera, which which tell a, a different story. Uh, so, look, I, I, yeah, the simple answer to that is I, I don't know. G going going back to your the earlier point you made about the, being at the sort of tail end of the uh, Russian Ukraine uh, conflict, but of course uh, that hasn't actually stopped. Uh, all mm. all that has happened is really is that the world's media attention has shifted from yes. one uh, theater to another. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure that the, uh, the, 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 the battles in Ukraine are continuing to rage. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just not hearing as much about it because uh, there's, there's a new source of interest. Yeah, it's interesting that um, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I suppose you could say it shows you uh, Israel Palestine has uh, has highlighted how almost uh, you can flick a switch within the media 
to direct people's attention away from something that is still ongoing, that is still catastrophic, that is still costing lives, that is still hugely disruptive, which is the Ukraine-Russia conflict. And I suppose before February of 2022, which is when that started at the end of February 2022, no one knew anything about Ukraine. Nobody knew who Vladimir Zelensky was. Nobody knew what the, the politics in the, the Donbass region had been over the previous eight years or what had been going on there uh, with regards to NATO. And then all of a sudden, uh, it was everywhere. We saw Ukraine flags everywhere. We saw anti-Russian sentiment everywhere. I suppose when I said that the things were tailing off, uh, you're right in highlighting it's tailed off on media coverage alone. But the war is still ongoing there. People are still being killed over there. People are still going through the meat grinder there. But it's just a case of the media have just subtly redirected us like sleight of hand experts towards what's happening in Israel-Palestine at this time. And uh, no doubt, uh, if that ever starts to run out of steam or they need another spectacular or another distraction for us, Simon, I've no doubt that they'll be able to conjure one up uh, at the drop of a hat uh, from somewhere just to keep us dancing around and to keep our attention flowing from A to B to C to D to keep us in a constant state uh, of disarray. We've got a we've got a news break coming up now. It's only 30 seconds. I think we'll take it now. And when we come back, I want to look at maybe some issues that have been happening on uh, our domestic soil here in the UK and Ireland, because I know you've been and a, a keen observer of that over the last few months. So I want to get your thoughts and opinions on some of the reshuffles that are happening, uh, some of the appointments that are being made, and some of the downright lies that are being told by our government back home. Uh, so don't go away. More to come here on TNT Radio. Go, go. What the hell is this? Breaking news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Sweden could become a full-fledged member of NATO within weeks after Turkey Air signalled it was ready to ratify the Nordic nation's accession. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has come under fire for failing to stand up for Australian soldiers following this month's run-in with a Chinese warship. And a new bombshell report has revealed the CIA has recovered at least nine UFOs, two of which are said to be completely intact. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Okay, should have said this at the start of the show, but if you use social media platforms, the only one I really use is the X platform, and I use it for this uh, job that I'm doing here at the minute. You can follow Simon on there. In fact, I have a confession to make. I'm actually not following you, so I'm going to do it right now. Bing, just got yourself a new follower there. Uh, you can follow him at Sequi, S-E-Q-U-I underscore Simon uh, on that social media platform. If you use it, please feel free to do so. Uh, one thing that, uh, you know, staggers has staggered a lot of people or, you know, caused them to scratch their heads in disbelief, or maybe it's not really disbelief, is uh, some of these people that are coming back out of the woodwork again. So recently, uh, when Suella Braverman uh, was ousted from her position, you know, she threatened for a year or so vehemently to crack down on the small boats, small boat problems, stop Im illegal immigration. Nothing was really done about it. And uh, now David Cameron, 
has made a return. The ex-British Prime Minister has made a return back into politics again, despite he's not elected anywhere. He was made a lord uh, by old uh, King Charles III. Uh, we saw him getting his lordship, Lord David Cameron. Would you have thought we would be discussing the return of David Cameron to British politics the last time you and I spoke? Yeah, it's uh, that was a bit of a, uh, a surprise, frankly, for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we now have a, uh, a prime minister who wasn't elected. We've got a foreign secretary, which let's not forget is one of the most powerful positions uh, you know, uh, beyond the, the prime minister. Uh, he's unelected and doesn't even sit in the House of Commons. So we've got the, uh, you know, a big part of our uh, democracy uh, is, is actually being operated undemocratically. Uh, which is uh, which is it's troubling at the moment. Uh, it really is. Going back, you mentioned Sula uh, Braverman uh, earlier, and this whole issue of uh, the sort of illegal immigrants, which has uh, caused a big um, a big issue in Ireland uh, just uh, over the last few days. Uh, my, I've been going on about this for some time. I just cannot understand why. Uh, we, as as a nation, I'm talking about the UK, but it, it applies to Ireland as well, uh, are unable, apparently unable to control or, or defend our borders. I, I just don't believe, I don't believe that that is uh, what's going on. And what really troubles me is that only in the last, uh, I think, three days uh, ago, uh, Tony Blair surfaced again. Uh, Telling us all that uh, digital IDs are, are, the, are the, the solution to this problem, and this has been something which has been uh, being nudged by uh, not just the UK government, but uh, in, in many places in the world. Uh, this whole digital ID—it's it, they're, they're active in certain parts of the world, but the British have never been particularly fond of the idea of uh, uh, compulsory identification. Uh, and I suspect that behind all of this is the 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 the, uh, the, the idea of of uh, central bank digital currencies, because mm -hmm. without digital IDs, central bank digital currencies simply will not work. So, if you want to, bring, if the government wants to bring in central bank digital currencies, um, they must first bring in digital IDs. And if there is resistance to that, which there is. Well, create a, a, a situation whereby it suddenly becomes acceptable, and that is what troubles me at the moment. And I see how how quickly we become so divided uh, over the issues of immigration, and uh, it's it's to me we're playing right into the hands of the people who want to facilitate these changes, which will ultimately. Uh, take away so much of our freedom as individuals. Yeah, uh, some really good points there. And this is something we talk about a lot here in TNT. I mean, like for the record, I'm not against uh, immigration. I'm not against people coming into the UK from other places. If they're genuinely fleeing from war, persecution and death, and we have the facilities that we can accommodate them or try and do something to help them, then of course we should do that. Or if people are coming to contribute economically to the country, to contribute societally to the country, there's no issue with that whatsoever. The problem is illegal immigration is 
is absolutely running rampant at the minute and it's like a like a plague at this point in time and questions even Simon even the most the you know the most hard hardened supporters of it people are scratching their heads and saying well you know what I'm seeing here in Ireland and what I'm seeing landing on uh, the shores of England at the minute in these so-called small boats from uh, France it's the demographic is almost all men. Uh, so you have to ask yourself the question, where are the women? Where are the children? Yep. Where are the elderly? And where are the infirm? And there's an old uh, saying that uh, when a man is fleeing from war, he brings his wife and children and his family. When he's fleeing from war, when a man is going to war, he leaves his wife and children and family at home. There has to be some kind of a element of truth to that saying because i'm not saying that we're being invaded to be you know it's a it's a un sponsored army that's going to rise up and oppress us maybe it will but one thing that nobody can deny is that it's causing a massive destabilization within the uk it's starting to cause a lot of uh, societal fracture within the uk it's putting huge strain on infrastructure on accommodation on goods and services uh doctors availabilities uh it was going to say schools but there's very little kids coming over so that one doesn't really apply so <clears throat> at the very least uh, could we agree not that we're disagreeing but could we agree that it's causing a massive pressure in the uk and it's causing a fracture in opinion and it's causing division and a house divided against itself cannot stand yeah, I think I think the what what you've just said, uh, Rick, is it was was logic, uh, mm -hmm. and that is where we are falling down. Because if you go out into social media, and let's not forget that uh, Twitter or X, as it's now called, is not real life. I think there's about mm -hmm. I think there's about three hundred fifty million uh, active users, but that's less than five percent of the world's population. Now, of course, what we're seeing though on social media, but not just on social media, if you look at the mainstream media as well, what we're seeing is, is logic being thrown out of the window and really what's being um, stirred up is emotion. And, and I will uh, take issue with one thing that you said actually, is mm -hmm. that I don't think the problem is just limited to illegal immigration. I think we have problems with legal Im uh, immigration as well. Uh, what we've really got to do is we've got to look very carefully at who's coming into the country. I, I cannot believe that in, in this day and age and with the resources that we have, that we cannot uh, manage uh, our, our border control. I just don't get it. I, I think there's, there's, there's something else going on. Uh, but we should be able to manage that. We should be able to decide who comes into the country. I'm absolutely, as, as, as you just said as well, I'm absolutely pro-immigration. There is, there is always... A need for people to come in and bring uh, their their skills, their, um, their their knowledge, and actually even their culture. It, so when people say to me, "Oh, it's going to it's going to um, affect British culture," my question to them is always, "Well, define what is British culture?" And actually, the culture of any country is made up of uh, various cultures that have over the centuries come in and influenced uh the, the the country and and that is not that's not a bad thing where where it becomes a a worrying or, or troublesome or, or a negative thing is when that is unrestrained when it is it, there's no control over it and you literally have a, 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 an open border policy and that is really where we're at and and that just cannot be tolerated uh, but you know before i start um pushing for 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 greater restrictions i think the problem is not really the people 
who are coming across on boats and and the 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 the, uh, the, the immigrants that are coming into the country illegal. Uh, I, I think I think that's a, a uh, that's a symptom of. I think the real problem is actually government. And I go back to what I'm saying. I I do not trust uh, our government at the moment. I haven't trusted them for over three and a half years. Uh, it's unbelievable how we had such distrust with our current leadership uh, over the likes of COVID. And yet all of a sudden, the, the very same people who were criticizing them for, for mismanagement and uh, effectively uh, bringing in all sorts of restrictions that should never have been imposed on us. These are the, these very same people are now uh, embracing the government over certain issues such as immigration. I, I don't buy it. I'm, I'm absolutely not going to buy into the government narrative on this. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because uh, you know it's one of these strange issues that even if someone didn't pay a lot of attention over the last few years. It's certainly hard to ignore it as per now, because, you know, in Ireland in particular, you have villages, you have villages in Ireland that maybe have three or 400 people in them. All of a sudden, there's seven or 800 men, men being deposited in the area that don't speak English. They're not going to work. They're living in barrack style accommodation, maybe on the outskirts of town. Surely the residents of that village are going, we're now outnumbered. And in some cases, by two to one, by literally a legion of men that we don't know who they are. And I've said this before as well. If it was a group of men coming from Scotland into my area, I would be asking questions. Who are these men and what are they doing here? Or even from other parts of Northern Ireland, if a load of men came from Derry to Belfast and, you know, 200 of them were dropped into my location, I would be asking questions. Who are these men? What are they going to do all day? Why are they in my area? So it has nothing to do with race even, or even the fact that people are coming. You know, some people say, oh, Rick, you're racist. You're a mis you're, you're anti, you're a xenophobe. <laughs> I'm not much like yourself. You know, the thing I like about you is in your, your own profile that you put onto that X that I read out, made in Pakistan, born free in Scotland and raised in Africa with the word Ubuntu in there, which is a Bantu word. I speak Kiswahili as well. I've spent a lot of time in Africa and some of the best neighbors that I ever had were from Swaziland, so I'm the furthest thing from a racist that you could be. But to ask the questions that you're asking and the questions that I'm asking, Simon, we are labeled as xenophobes and uh, intolerant or that we, we don't want to embrace people from other cultures. Nothing could be further from the truth. Is this not another problem that the mainstream media are causing? They're trying to paint people like us as, you know, some twisted, deviant racist types when in, in fact... Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah, well, that's the that's the the whole uh, problem is that when you uh, fail to be able to come up with uh, strong arguments uh, against what uh, someone else is saying, uh, you then revert to either name calling or um, or, or or other forms of uh, aggression. Uh, this whole thing of anyone who has even questioned the government of Israel is immediately labeled as anti-Semitic. Anyone who expresses uh, sorrow, sadness, or, or, or concern for what is going on in Gaza, for example, is immediately labeled by some, not all, but by some as anti-Semitic. It's completely and utterly uh, unacceptable to, to do that to people. Uh, and it actually undermines their own arguments. So, so for anyone who is chooses to do that well i i cannot i cannot believe in anything quite frankly that you say from from that point on mm -hmm. I mean, going back to the immigration issue i'll give you an, an analogy 
you know, if if you were, you know, you're, you're, you're if if you have a family and you live you you live in a house, would you just simply open your door, keep your door open, and let anyone off the street come into your home, sit down, uh, play with your kids, uh, eat at your dining table, sleep in your bed? The answer is no, you wouldn't. So so why are we taking that approach to our country, to to our uh, to our borders? The first duty of any government. The first duty is to defend its country's borders. And at the moment, we're seeing a huge failure right across uh, the Western world with that. We're seeing it in the States, we're seeing it in the Republic of Ireland, we're seeing it in the UK, and we've been seeing it in uh, parts of Western Europe now for some considerable time. Uh, That is a failure of government. I don't believe that it's being uh, done because they simply cannot come up with the means to defend them. I, I think there's there's something else going on, which I really am very uncomfortable about. Yeah, uh, it, certainly, uh, it certainly leaves you feeling a little bit unsettled somehow. And it's not just the fact that this has been going on for quite some time now, but it's still going on at pace. And even yesterday, James cleverly uh, was fact-checked. Uh, he stood up in the House of Commons and he said uh, that the, the, the situation is under control of Britain and that it's it's better than it is in any other EU country. But it's actually up uh, at least 17% year on year from what it was at last year. And even when Pretty Patel was the Home Secretary at the time, she vowed that she would have the problem sorted out by 2019. Now that was what four or five years ago, when it's got it's went from bad to worse. So it's not something that's going away. It's getting worse. Uh, that's a fact. And uh, there's only so much of this uh, that can be taken before something has to give somewhere. Unfortunately, and it's only a matter of time. I think Simon before that actually happens. We've got to take another quick uh, ad break here just for a minute or two. And when we come back, we want to look at economics within the UK. I know you're a businessman, you're an entrepreneur, you know a thing or two about how the economy works. So I want to look at Britain as a potential place to be doing business or to be working in at the minute. Uh, is it worth hanging around there or should we be looking further afield uh, to uh, get our cash or to get our uh, income? Uh, we'll do that when we come back after the short break. So please don't go away. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. While the fiery images of mostly peaceful protests coming out of central Dublin over the weekend were disturbing, and although no one condones arson, property damage, and violence against police, it was good to see the Irish finally get their Irish up and direct their ire where it properly belongs, against their own government, which has been selling out the Irish people for decades now. What triggered the upheaval? The stabbing of a young woman and two little children, including a five-year-old girl who is still in hospital with life-threatening injuries, by a Muslim maniac who was, you guessed it, known to police. The Garda disarmed the man just last month after finding him with an illegal knife. They knew he was a problem and they did nothing to stop these attacks. Ireland is actively promoting its own destruction. It is committing suicide in exactly the same way the United Kingdom committed social suicide. The number one name for new boys in Galway last year, Mohammed for the first time ever. Ireland needs to get a hold of the fact that the enemy is within the gates and their own government are the ones that have opened the doors. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. Prediabetes does. One in three adults has prediabetes, but with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. 
then you can change the outcome. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test today. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, I'm talking uh, this morning with Mr. Simon Milne. He is a UK resident, but he's currently uh, in Dubai at the moment for the next few weeks anyway. Simon, you're an entrepreneur. You're a businessman. You know a thing or two about uh, making a pound or two and probably even losing a pound or two in business because that's what happens. It's never uh, You're never at the top of the mountain all the time. Sometimes you're in the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, but, you know, we fear no evil. Uh, <laughs> talking of which, uh, the government uh, have been making promises now, which let's face it, governments are very good at uh, talking about tax cuts that will be coming in in the new year. National insurance uh, contribution rates are going to be cut. The average British worker, they say, is going to be £1,800 a year better off. Let's just pause for a moment and say that sounds fantastic on paper. Tax cuts, £1,800 a year more per person. That equates to about £150 a month or £40 a week, you know, or a couple of quid a day. Is that going to be enough to cut the mustard when it comes against the, you know, the balance of still exorbitantly high prices for electricity, gas, fuel at the pumps, uh, mortgage payments are going up, rent is going up, available availability of properties is going down. You know, when you put it in the balance, is it a good budget or is it just uh, paying lip service and using the old uh, tax cut mantra as an election, a uh, potential election winner, a vote winner come maybe next year when there's a general election? Well, Rick, let's not forget the fact that we are um, in the middle of a very uh, serious economic crisis, uh, not just in the UK, uh, throughout the Western world, quite frankly. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's no, it, it's, there's no coincidence with the fact that we've got a general election looming. So uh, I think the timing of these tax cuts is all about um the general election uh let's also not forget that who put us into this economic crisis in the first place we've had a so-called conservative government i'm not actually convinced it is a conservative government i suspect that we've actually had a new labor government since tony blair came to power um what we're seeing or what we have been seeing uh since uh, david cameron came in uh really is not what I would describe as conservative policies. Uh, we've seen taxes, we're taxed to the hilt in the UK. Um, there's, there's tax everywhere you look, there's tax. There's tax on your personal income, there's national insurance, there's corporation tax, there's, uh, there's, there's tax when you, when you sell and buy a new property, there's tax when you die, there's tax, there's tax when every, every single item that you buy, you're taxed on as well. This is we live in a very very high tax uh, environment, and for the conservative government now to make uh, noises about being you know make, making I think there was a claim that this was the the, the greatest tax um, break since uh, since the war. Uh, I mean, absolute nonsense. When you look at where where we've actually come from and where we are, look if if we look at what happened in the last three and a half years. Uh, the government has, in my opinion, misgoverned the economy. Uh, we have spent something in the region of 130 billion pounds on COVID-related uh, items in the economy. I'm talking about things as such as the COVID vaccine rollouts, the test and trace, 
the uh, the furlough, um, the uh, the Nightingale hospitals. You, you put all of that together, and you're coming out with a cost of in excess of 130 billion pounds. Now, that's not including all the opportunity cost of the economy having been locked down for so long, nor does it include the social and psychological cost to the people of the country as well. This is what the Conservative government has done to us. So when they start giving a couple of percent here and there in the hope that they'll get re-elected at the next general election, I say absolutely no, no way. Um, this, the, sad, the sad thing about this is that the choice, the, it's, it's a Hobson's choice that we've got because you've got the choice between, at the moment, you've got the choice between the Conservatives on the one hand and you've got Keir Starmer's Labour on the other. Uh, it's been described as, as two cheeks of the same backside. I'm afraid that is the choice that the country currently has. It's a very, very poor state of affairs. Yeah, yeah, I've I've actually I've heard it put a lot worse than two cheeks of the same ass. <laughs> uh, but that's that's a nice way to put it. That's at the best of times. That's the way to put it. Uh, if if this, I mean, just listening to you, you know, we're we're going with the flow here, and you talk about the high taxation in Britain, and uh, you were taxed here. I don't think people really sit down and really fully appreciate just how much they are taxed here because of course you know when you get your if you're employed you get a pay packet every month or you get a pay slip and you the first thing you look for is you know your gross pay and then the certain amount is taken off and and income tax and then a certain amount is taken off in uh, national insurance and then you're left with whatever's left you think well that's mine that's mine to go and spend it but you know you listed a, a litany of things there for example you'll pay uh, if you take out an insurance policy to insure your car you'll pay you'll pay insurance premium tax on the cost of insuring your car you're paying tax on your uh your your uh vat value-added tax on all the goods that you provide, uh, you buy, maybe some of the services that you avail of, your VAT on it, uh, capital gains tax, if you you know sell a secondary property, if you make a profit on it, or shares or equities for that matter, you're taxed on your savings income in a bank if it's not uh, within an ISA wrapper. And then if you die, uh, to add insult to injury, uh, you pay inheritance tax as well. And we talked about, uh, just before you came on, there's a, uh, the, the King Charles III has netted approximately 50 million quid over the last 10 years, hoovering up uh, the assets of people that died within his duchies that didn't leave wills or they died intestate. 50 million quid that's going into his covers on top of everything else that he's getting at the minute. My friend, uh, Jabai, uh, I'm starting to understand now maybe uh, why you're sitting, Jabai, with a big grin on your face right now. Uh, I think there's a lot of more people need to be heading out towards places like that where they're not just so brutal uh, on the taxation regime. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you, you raised an interesting point there. I was listening to an interview by Rishi Sunak uh, a few days ago. I was driving back from Edinburgh listening to the radio, and he made an interesting comment. He was talking about these tax cuts, uh, particularly on the, uh, the, the the corporation tax. And he made a comment, and I can't remember exactly verbatim what he said, but it was something to the effect of he wanted he wanted to ensure that businesses um got to keep as much of their money as was 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 possible and i thought hang on a second i think you've actually got this the wrong way around um we as 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 the the people in the country as business people as business owners we really should be deciding how much of our money we want to give to the government in order for them to carry out their duties 
it's not about us getting to keep some of our money. The money, and this is this is this is the real danger with digital currencies, with, with central bank digital currencies I've mentioned before, and that is that you, the money that we have uh, that we generate through our businesses uh, as as private uh, business owners is, or certainly should be, ours to keep and do what we wish with. Now that is going potentially to change when it comes to central bank digital currencies because it gives the power of what you do with that money from it, it shifts from you as an individual as a private individual over to the government and that is 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 a a very very serious line that we are potentially going to cross so i go back to what i was saying about the we should be actually holding governments to account and looking to see when you start looking at digital IDs and using uh, information technology to to analyze what people are spending, et cetera. I think the technology is 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 fantastic. We should be applying it to governments. We should be looking at, at digital IDs for for every member of the government, so that we can see transparently what our money is being spent on and holding them to account. The the, the point that they are so happy to write checks on our behalf without any care in the world that needs to stop and that was that was taken beyond extremes during the last three and a half years it, again you you mentioned a, a point about me sitting in in dubai and what i see when i when i go out in in uh, particularly in the evening here is you, you go out uh, and you will see more young british people out and about in dubai than you probably will see back in the uk um, it's incredible the number of people who have decided to actually uh, move from the UK. I'm talking about people sort of ages 21 to probably 35, uh, mm -hmm. that sort of age group, because this place offers something that the UK does not. And that is called hope. At the moment, mm -hmm. we have absolutely no sense of hope for young people in the United Kingdom. And that is something which any government uh, that comes into power after the next general election needs to address what what saddens me greatly is the fact that I don't believe that uh, they will. That is a real brutal truth that you have just delivered there with a with a very uh, subtle sledgehammer blow there, Simon. But it's the truth nonetheless that you have to look at things. That's why I wanted to you know compare and contrast the UK, for example, with the like of Dubai, or uh, why young Irish doctors and teachers and professions are leaving, going to Australia, going to other professions in other countries because they don't have any hope where they are at the minute. And when it's you know it's not so much it's not so bad when you're coming to the end of your career, or the end of your life, you know, you'd say, well, I've had my life. But when you're 18, 19, 20, and you're coming out of university, maybe saddled with a lot of student debt, and you're looking around yourself going, what next? Uh, am I going to eke an existence out here and be constantly in debt to this inefficient government? Or do you look to uh, further fields and you see that the grass really is greener on the other side? That's one of the reasons why I think you're testifying to say, well, when I look outside here, I'm seeing a hell of a lot more young people out and about than I am in the UK. And that's tragic that you have to say that, but it's the truth. And that's why I'm saying it's a brutal truth. And unless the government uh, sit up and pay attention to that, which I'm, I don't think they will, uh, if they don't start up offering hope for people, then people are going to go and find that hope 
elsewhere and it's just going to lead into this uh, vicious death cycle of uh, economics that we're currently uh, experiencing in the U in the UK at the minute so very well said there we need to offer hope uh, to our people or else they will go elsewhere and they will get it elsewhere uh, we're pretty much up to time here I can't believe the R has just ran away with us so I just want to give another huge thanks uh, to Mr Simon Milne and again direct him uh, direct you uh, towards his uh, social media if you use it that is uh, at Sequi Simon S-E-Q-U-I underscore Simon on social media. So for the duration of your stay, Mr. Milne, I hope you have a wonderful time in Dubai. Soak up as much hope as you possibly can and come back and ring it out sponge-like in the UK because damn it, we need it over here like the roses need the rain. So Simon, have a wonderful day. Massive thanks to you for taking time out uh, to speak to me Thank this you, morning. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. So please stay tuned. Uh, James Freeman's on the way. I'll be back again tomorrow morning, bright and early with Natalie Chill at 9am. Don't go away. Uh, stay tuned here to the one and only TNT Radio.